Hello, I'm Rebecca, the founder of Trio, and welcome to Pep Talks with Trio. Trio is the leading solution for workplaces to support their people during every life transition, from starting a family to retiring, and every life event in between. On Pep Talks with Trio, we chat to our expert partners for advice on how to best navigate these common, complex, and often messy life stages that happen during our working career. Keep listening as we connect the dots between life and work with the simple aim of education and empowerment. After all, life happens at work. Today on Pep Talks with Trio, we're speaking with James Callender. James is Director of Business Solutions Australia in New Zealand for Workplace Options and is passionate about positively impacting the mental health narrative one story at a time. Today, we're going to be discussing the buzzword well-being. While this term may be splashed around everywhere at the moment, we will be chatting about James's experience in workplace well-being, specifically how employed Australia is moving towards a culture that considers and values health and safety as more than just physical. James, welcome. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? G'day. Thanks, Rebecca. And yeah, I work for Workplace Options, uh, which is one of the world's largest providers of mental health and wellbeing services. My background is financial services. I spent 12 years uh, in financial services, most recently in corporate health, helping organizations set up a wellbeing ecosystem inside, ultimately to stand out as an employer of choice. This market was certainly uh, became more competitive and more popular during the pandemic, uh, purely because there was a war for talent. So organizations were seeking to differentiate themselves in one way or another, and certainly wellbeing initiatives were a way to do that. Mm-hmm. At Workplace Options during the pandemic, we saw a exponential increase in the requirement uh, and also the desire for mental health services. And that's certainly where our 24-7 capability was certainly sought out in market. Mm. It's something that I am incredibly passionate about in terms of how can I share my global mental health network Mm. with more humans, Mm. given the incredibly long wait times in the public health system to gain access to mental health support here in Australia, If you're one of the 46 or so percent of Australians that have private health insurance, then you have less of a wait time, but it certainly isn't as short as being able to chat to a mental health clinician within 30 seconds, which is what we do. Is that right? That's phenomenal. That's so Yeah. Okay. Now, I love that, you know, you're saying you're looking at well-being beyond physical because I think we're very all very good about talking about our physical health and our physical fitness and our physical well-being. So what does well-being mean to you? Well-being for me underpins my lifestyle. It's incredibly important to not only myself but also to my wife and my children and our broader family and social circles. And in my mind, being as balanced as possible throughout 
well-being is important. Now, there are a variety of different models and different frameworks for considering well-being as more broadly than just physical. Some say that it includes mental or emotional or practical or spiritual. There is a variety of different pillars. Mm -hmm. However, I think it's important to remain conscious of the fact that each individual and each organisation will have their own pillars that are important to them. And what I am seeing and what we are experiencing is a transition towards seeing health and safety as a lot broader than the physical attributes that we have been uh, conditioned to as a society and as a culture um, throughout the past. And I think that is really exciting when you consider that there is a whole lot more to us as humans and the fact that if we are in a comfortable mental space, it enables us to be um, a more effective, productive and happy version of our professional and our personal selves. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And is that the reason you think that organisations are investing in wellbeing or are there reasons beyond that? There are two reasons in my immediate view. Certainly during the pandemic, there was a lot of employees that were either encouraged or forced to work from home. And as a result of that, I think it accelerated the pace at which people brought their whole self to work because there wasn't the separation between the home and the work environment. Yeah. Now, also as a result of those changed working environments, employers had to consider how they could care for their employees when they were outside of the boundaries of the traditional work setting. Mm -hmm. And so investing in initiatives that helped those employees be the best version of their professional and personal selves Mm -hmm. was shown to improve productivity, to reduce absenteeism, and therefore there was a clear return on those investments. Yeah. Now, when it comes to a mental health perspective, it is really challenging to articulate and calculate the return on that investment. So there is an element of a, uh, I guess you could say a conscious decision of what, what feels right. Is Does it make you feel good that you are investing in the mental health care support of your employees, even though there may not necessarily be a strict calculation where you can derive X number of dollars invested will result in Y dollars in savings or increased productivity, as an example. That is a really um, volatile calculation to make when you are talking about somebody's mental health. Yeah. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, Gallup has some really clear statistics around thriving people, correct, thriving organisations. Um, but it's often, it's it's not an immediate um, deliverable on the bottom line. So as we're moving into, you know, a, far, very, a continuing or worsening, challenging economic climate, 
what are you seeing the organizations are doing to are they continuing with their EAP uptake are they continuing to invest in this space because you know my view is when the economy is challenging then your individuals okay it's challenging to a business but it's also dramatically impacting the health and well-being of your people so when businesses then start removing budgets they have less support available for the people that actually need it at the time where they really need it what are you what are you seeing that organizations are doing are they continuing that investment or are are about you know budgets being slashed and and one of those places is is in the well-being space eaps have been around for a number of years um ourselves we've been around for 40 years or so and it was a really early employee benefit to be adopted now as a result of that early adoption there has been cases where eaps have been procured and sell it they have been put on the shelf uh, to gather dust and they are pulled Fine out. <laughs> that never yeah. gets opened. They are, they are introduced when somebody joins an organisation and they are brought out when somebody is in trouble or when somebody loses their job. And as a result, those services may have been challenged by underutilisation. Yeah. Now, the pandemic was a great catalyst for employees to revisit the well-being benefits that they have access to, one of which was certainly mental health support. And that was something that an EAP provider has, okay? And as a result of that, organisations have seen over the last, I guess you could say, three years that there is uh, importance in providing your employees access to mental health support. Mm. Now, in addition to that, more recently, Safe Work Australia has made some legislative changes in term in relation to psychosocial risks and hazards in the workplace, which has been another catalyst for corporate Australia to review their employee assistance programs and how they are positively adding value to the employees of that organisation. So to that end, Rebecca, corporations are still um, retaining their investment in EAP, but they are looking to amplify the way that that EAP engages with their workforce because the traditional salad approach is not working. Uh, and it also doesn't necessarily meet the requirements of the safe work uh, changes that have that have come into play. Yeah. Now, the way that organisations like us uh, are facilitating that transition is by integrating ourselves within the employee journeys of those organisations so that we are actively showing employees how they can engage with our products and services at various points along their employee journey yeah. and through that we are building trust and we are building engagement both from a proactive perspective through education and coaching but also through a reactive perspective which is when an employee ne needs counseling yeah. 
Then from a safety perspective, in the past, a EAP was procured by a HR division, okay, uh, because it was seen as an employee benefit. Now, however, during the pandemic, I guess we had some finance stakeholders that came into the conversation who were evaluating the return on their investment in employee assistance programs. And now the changes in the legislative environment, we have a third stakeholder in the conversation, which is the safety team. And so we are speaking to HR in terms of why employee counselling is a benefit. We're speaking to finance in terms of why it's worth, why it is worthwhile for the investment. And thirdly, we're speaking to safety in terms of how giving your employees access to mental health services, including coaching and counselling, can help meet the requirements of the recent legislative changes. Yeah. Amazing. So it's almost got a bit more, as opposed, which is great, as opposed to just being a tick box. You know, if we've got it, no, everyone forgets you've got it. No one really knows where to find it. And it's somewhere on the intranet and nobody really wants to go looking for it or ask their manager because then it, they're admitting that something's wrong. Whereas now it's, you know, it's really being taken seriously, which I would hope means that it then becomes far more available and acceptable within an organisation for employees to start utilizing it because that's fundamentally why it's there right and I would imagine the uptake would have been significant over the last three years compared to previously. Utilization has certainly increased as a result of the challenges that we all went through during the pandemic. What was also interesting is in terms of the mode of delivery so as with other services we had to uh pivot and adopt the virtual environment and that customer experience has continued into the post-pandemic era that we are in now and in fact we see a greater number of presentations or people turning up to their appointments virtually because it takes less confidence uh, to connect to the team's invite um, then what it does to actually make your way towards the psych clinic. Um, sit there in front of someone. Exactly. Um, and so when we can meet our members in their home environment where they feel more comfortable, they are attending those sessions and they are opening up about what's going on in their life and in their mind. And as a result, they're not bottling and burying the mo- those emotions. And that's been a really great uh, journey for us to go on as a company to see how we can make sure that we are meeting our members when they need us and where they need us. Yeah. And are you, do you have any statistics around the number of men that are taking up the service? Because we know traditionally that the mental health and the suicide rates for men in Australia is particularly bad. Do you, are you able to track or know whether that increase, um, there's been an increase across the board, but are we finding ways to connect with men, you know, better? Are we finding ways to change the narrative so that men and men's mental health is positively impacted, you know, by EAP being available? Do you have any of that data? 
on hand, no. <laughs> I know, I'm just spinning this off, off the car. We, we covered just under 79 million lives around the world. Wow. And so there is an incredible pool of individuals there which we are supporting. Mm. And certainly within that, there are a variety of genders, cultures uh, and other presentations that we sensitively um, speak to support and coach and counsel, okay? Mm. Um, what is critically important in services like ours is communication. And to your point earlier, Rebecca, around how people find out about their EAP or as we refer to ourselves as a well-being partner is traditionally it's just been that phone number that's buried somewhere on the internet or it's in a wallet card. Um, we actively work with our clients to make sure that the products and services that we have are actively communicated within the employee base and we do that through content, we do that through training, um, and we do that through a variety of other self-help resources so that those individuals, irrespective of their gender, feel comfortable engaging with the resources. And therefore, if and when they need assistance, they know where to go to find it. Um, and we're taking that communication a step further in terms of traditionally uh, a workplace benefit provider would communicate through all staff emails or it would be a poster in the lunchroom or it may be a thumbnail on an intranet site. And we know that mental health doesn't start and stop at work. And so we actively maintain a communication strategy that meets our members in their professional environment, but also in their native personal environment and platforms okay so our content is also distributed across a variety of the social media platforms so that our members are actively consuming our resources our brand and we are building that engagement beyond the all staff email that may go out a couple of times a year yeah was that sort of nudge reminder of this is available and you speak about counseling and coaching and i wonder whether you know, having that coaching element attached to counselling, there's such a stigma associated with counselling and psychologists. And whereas coaching it has always been a far more acceptable thing to talk about and, you know, say, yes, I'm I've got a coach. I wonder if, you know, actually having that positioned as that actually, you know, removes the barriers for individuals to reach out and start seeking, seeking support because it's, it's a it's it's a more softer approach but actually once they're in then you know they can be directed to to the support that they need the most important piece is capturing people exactly and encouraging those individuals to reach out for a conversation and you're certainly correct there Rebecca in terms of coaching doesn't necessarily have the clinical connotations uh sometimes it can have performance orientations okay uh and as a result people are more comfortable engaging in that and certainly some of our clients adopt for that mode of delivery as opposed to the traditional clinical model uh, it is quite powerful when you see more 
employees within within an organization engage with the service because naturally when they access the service they don't necessarily know what they need um, they don't call in requesting a wellness coach or a life coach or a counselor that's specifies in trauma for example they just know that they need some guidance or that they need some help um, and making sure that our people and our resources are there to meet them when they make that call and part of the communication strategy like what i was referencing before is helping employees understand what they can reach out for support in okay yeah. and that it's not just for when they feel broken because quite often we can get ourselves into a state of mind where we convince ourselves that we're not broken or that there's someone that's worse off than us as an example when really the service can be there just to help you be the best version of yourself and to reach your full potential yeah. um and it's not uncommon for us to have conversations with members who have been through our services and they would be reflecting in terms of, I don't know why I waited so long. Um, if I have a sore ankle, I go and see the physio. If I can't see the distance, I go and see the optometrist. And um, for an individual to get to that point where they realise that the service enabled them to put the puzzle pieces where they belong in their mind and to put them on the right track is incredibly um, energizing for me as a professional, because as I said, I want to connect more humans to my services. Um, but equally for that individual to go, I, I didn't need to be broken to go and see that person. Yeah. Um, and that person's engagement with us may only last 30 minutes or it may last six hours if they go through a full complement of sessions however long it takes that individual to reach that point of resolution where they are in the driver's seat of their own mental health journey, um, that is what we're here for. Yeah, I love that because, I mean, we spoke before, you know, earlier before we started recording um, about the fact that I just found myself completely depleted and exhausted um, and took a week off last week. Um, and it had come about extremely quickly in my mind, but actually looking back over time, you know, I, I was on that slippery slope towards burnout. And I love the fact that, you know, you've got a service that's available that is almost more of a, a prevention, you know, prevention. You know, yes, you are there to cure, but, you know, opening the door to prevention and awareness is so much more powerful because you know if people are then needing support then that support is often shorter it's not at the point of breaking you know you sort of preempt you know that you know and shorten and you know remove that breaking point because you've captured them early and that's very much what we try to do with Treo is to take them on the journey of what you know supporting them before they have are at breaking point um so I love that. And just from a, before we sort of wrap up from a personal perspective, I love that this is, you know, you're so passionate about this. What do you do to, for your own, you know, health and well-being? What do you, you know, if you were going to leave a couple of tips for listeners today, what do you find in all of the things that you know and that you do, what's most powerful if we were to start something today? The most recent thing that I did was, I moved the majority of apps on my phone to my second swipe 
It really is. So That's my, thing that we can all do. My first swipe, I'll look at it right now. My first swipe is my camera because I've got two young kids and I've got a beautiful wife. The weather because we like to spend lots of time outside. My store card because I use my everyday Woolies Rewards card and Spotify. Yeah. Uh, everything else, emails, the social media apps, including LinkedIn, it's all on my second swipe or buried in folders because yeah. I found that I was spending a lot of time clicking on these thumbnails on my home screen and getting into a vicious cycle of it's just wasting time. And yeah. it was also distracting if it was for a work purpose. So that was my first step. Um, and that came through some meditation that I did not so long ago in terms of being purposeful and present um, in the item that I am focusing on at that point in time. So if that is work-related, well, then I need to make sure that I'm being really present and really purposeful so that my workday doesn't uh, creep into my personal life and I work in a hybrid environment and it is really easy for the workday to uh, crowd your home life and there is a classic statistic that an adult in Australia spends more than well a third of their adult life at work mm -hmm. and that this statistic is trending to increase because we are working from home and our hours are increasing um, as a result of not having that commute that breaks one from the other. Uh, so removing my apps, being purposeful, and the third point that is incredibly important to myself and my family is making time for exercise. And exercise brings us great endorphins. Um, it pulls us away from anything else that we are doing, um, particularly from a work perspective. It pulls you away from a screen. and it also gives us the ability to connect as a family and also with our friends uh, in a social way, which is a, a pillar of our balanced well-being, making sure that we are connecting with others because that was something that we were certainly starved of Wasn't during it? the pandemic um, and making meaningful time to connect with them in person through exercise, particularly for us, is how we maintain well-being. That's amazing. And you, you've hit the nail on the head there because as humans, we're wired for connection and we were starved of it for such a long period of time. You also mentioned meditation. And I think that is one thing that is accessible for everyone. And even just five minutes of doing nothing, just quiet time and focusing on your breathe, breathing. It doesn't have to be a really intense 30 minutes, just that has such a powerful impact of, as you say, centering yourself, becoming present on a daily basis. Even just that would also add a huge amount of value. And I would add one thing that I learned on my week away, the value of sleep. And I had really let that go, um, you know, but what I learned on my week off in a, in, on a retreat um, was that seven hours really should become non-negotiable. Um, which was not happening for me for, for a number of years. Um, so I'm working very hard to capture that. And I can say that it's it def definitely does make you feel better, but it's very hard once you've lost 
the ability to sleep well um it's it is it takes some time and it's 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 quite hard to get back but I love those tips thank you so much on the meditation piece because I know that this can be a flowery element uh that some of us find challenging challenging to commit to what I did uh in terms of helping me do it more regularly is after I've been to the gym or after I've exercising I would change the playlist from something that was amping me up to slowing me down. And I would just do it during my stretch session. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I'm in a space where I can exercise by myself, I will turn the lights out for an example, but that change in pace of music um, and being with your thoughts during stretching is how I've managed to fit meditation in because stretching was a goal of mine from an athlete's perspective that I needed to do it more regularly. And if I was to take a performance view of this, I always saw stretching as wasted time because mm. I wasn't sweating. I didn't have a high waste. heart rate. It was a waste. Yeah. Um, whereas allocating a portion of my workout time to stretch and allocating my stretching time to meditation um, was certainly a way for me to make the most of that time yeah we push so much aren't we with in terms of distraction there's so much like you say even just with your apps I mean I love that um they do they are such a distraction and there is something available to us 24 7 you know we we don't need to sleep there's there's something for us to watch or do um even on that little thing in the palm of our hand um but the value of taking that time and having that pause and actually enjoying the present moment and doing, you know, maybe a stretch or a breather or a walk and having that space is so powerful um, in terms of our mental health. And we've, you know, I think we've lost that in society because we've fallen so far away from that. If we can get back to that, um, I think we would have a really direct impact on everyone starting to feel a little bit better we've just put down that tool that thing that sits in the palm of our hand for a little bit longer very much so one story at a time Rebecca that's right James thank you so much for talking to me um it's been really really interesting I love the work that you guys do so hopefully um organizations can listen and take on board your advice thank you have a good day Thank you for listening. To find out more about how Trio can support your people, visit trio.com.